our scriptures found in Luke 1, verses 13 through 18. The angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will give birth to your son, and you must name him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the Lord's eyes. He must not drink wine and liquor. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. He will bring many Israelites back to the Lord their God. He will go forth before the Lord, equipped with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will turn hearts of fathers back to their children, and he will turn the disobedient to righteous patterns of thinking. He will make ready the peoples prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure of this? My wife and I are very old. The word of God for the people of God. Would you pray with me? God, send your spirit to move among us. Let us preach together your word for this people in this place. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we say, amen. How will I know? How will I know? It's interesting to think that the Christmas story, at least in Luke, it really begins with this question. How will I know? So often when I say the words uh, Christmas story, we think about Luke 2, right? And lo, in those days there was Caesar, Emperor Caesar Augustus. Yes, are you now picturing Linus on a stage with a blanket? This is the Christmas story we think of, but like so many stories, it actually has a prequel, a beginning. There is Luke 1. And I think that we get so caught up in the familiar story of Christmas that, you know, we could tell it again and again and again and actually miss some of the deep truth contained within it. See, because Luke 2 is really the answer to a whole set of questions, questions that are probably familiar. How will I know? How can this be? Why has this happened to me? What will this child become? Have you ever found yourself asking those questions? They are some of the most profound questions of our human experience, and the manger, the cross, is really intended as an answer to them. And so over the course of our Advent, we're going to sit in Luke chapter 1. We're going to explore these questions and the answer that God has to offer. So we started this morning with Zechariah. How will I know? Could you imagine Zechariah, a priest of the Lord, someone who is used to being the smartest guy in the room, used to kind of uh, giving his opinion, 
suddenly finding himself silent for a year. Could you be silent for a year? No. Could you be silent for the next hour? <laughs> okay, it's a chest, right? Yeah, how, he, he has this profound encounter with an angel. He's in the holy of holies. He has a vision of God, and the angel gives him this amazing promise. Everything you have asked for, the son you have prayed for is coming even in your old age. You will be like Abraham and Sarah, like Hannah who had Samuel. God is going to give you a son, not just a son, but one who will be a crucial part of God's redeeming of the world. And what is Zachariah's response? Are you sure about that? How do I know that this is true? How can I trust what you're saying? Never let it be said that the Bible does not have its moments of humor or sarcasm, because I invite you to go read that angel's response one more time. And if that's not snark, I don't know what is. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of the Lord. Hello. We laugh because it is funny and it's intended to be funny, but I think we laugh too because it's true. It's familiar. There is something we recognize in Zachariah's doubt. I think that for most of us, fear and mistrust are a pretty natural response to the world. Is that fair? When we encounter new things or surprising news or unexpected information, there is often that first instinct to just go, mm, I'm not so sure about that. We are by nature a skeptical people. You know, um, we learn trust pretty early. We have to. As infants, we can do nothing but trust that when we cry, somebody is going to pick us up, feed us, or change us, right? We are incapable of doing those things for ourselves, and so we really have to learn to trust. But we unlearn it almost as quickly. And this picture is from a, a kind of classical psychology experiment called the visual cliff, and it's a really funny thing. Infants who have just learn to crawl, like day one of crawling. If you put them on this box that has a, a shallow side and a deep side, but there's glass over the deep side, it's completely safe, no babies were harmed in the making of this sermon. Um, if you put them on and it's like day one of crawling, they will crawl across the, the glass. But within about a week, they won't. Not because they fell, not because anything bad happened to them. They just instinctively learn to mistrust that drop. Within about a week, they see that drop, and they won't come no matter how hard mom calls them. We learn trust. It's probably the first thing we learn, but we unlearn it really quickly. Before we can talk, before we can walk, we learn to test our environment to be really sure before we take a risk. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes fear gets a bad rap, right? But fear is actually the thing that keeps us 
safe. We talk about trust and fear like they're opposites, like one is better than the other, but, but really think about it. Trust takes risks. It, it helps us learn new things, but fear keeps us safe, right? Trust teaches us to encourage others, to empower others. Fear ensures quality. Trust lets us learn from disagreements because I trust the other person and that they are sincere and honest. But fear helps us protect what we really believe in. Yeah? Some of that happens because trust will always assume the best intentions. Fear suspects the worst motives. The truth is, trust and fear aren't aren't really so much diametrically opposed as they are two sides of the same coin. With the exception of that last one, the first three are actually pretty helpful functions in our life. We need fear. Fear is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of the Lord, to be direct. It's the beginning of wisdom. That's why fear really is our natural response to the world. And we tend to get around it by making people earn our trust. Is that a familiar phrase? You have to earn my trust. And we say that because as helpful as fear is, as much as we know that we need it to keep keep us safe, somewhere in us there is that voice that says, but if you never trust anything, How empty will your life be? If you never trust anything, how will your faith grow? We need fear, but we need trust just as much for life and faith. Zechariah actually kind of learned this lesson the hard way, right? He got a swift kick in the pants because he chose fear at the wrong moment. I think this is part of why we read this story in Advent, so that we can have this conversation about fear and about trust, because trust is really essential to what Advent is. We started this great season today. Advent is the four weeks leading up to Christmas, and I know that everywhere else, Christmas started like the day after Halloween, right? I know, it's okay. But we do ourselves a disservice when we jump straight to the manger. See, Advent isn't actually about the manger. Advent is about waiting, anticipating, hoping for Christ the King who will come again. Advent is the season where we don't just sit around and drink our eggnog and put up our Christmas decorations, as beautiful as they are. It's the season where we say, we are preparing for God to come into the world. It's a season where we, by our very life and actions, proclaim what the reign of God will look like. It's the season where we hope. We hope against all evidence of the world that there is light and truth and justice. And we find comfort in those things. But think about waiting. Think about anticipation. Think about hope 
if there is no trust in the promises of the Lord. Without trust that what God tells us is true, waiting is just paralysis. It's sitting on our hands, thinking it will change if we just sit here long enough. If we don't really trust that what God promises are true, then, then our anticipation, all of our proclamation, all of our living into the kingdom of God is some kind of attempt to work our way into salvation. If we don't really trust that the promises of God are true, then our hope isn't a proclamation of light in the midst of darkness, it's denial as to what the world is really like. And we are more than that church. Advent is more than that. Trust is essential for life and for faith, but here's the kicker. As much as we tell ourselves they will earn my trust, trust is not something that can be earned. It has to be given. Some of you are giving me the skeptical look. And that's okay, but think about it. Think about it really. Trust has, if trust could be earned, Zechariah would not have asked his question. He is a priest of the Lord. He has served his entire life in the temple. He comes from a priestly line, and so does his wife, Sarah. The scriptures tell us that they were righteous before God, and yet childless. If anybody knew how God had come through for Abraham and Sarah, how God had come through for the Israelites at the Red Sea, how God had come through for Hannah when she prayed for Samuel, if anybody knew how God had brought the people back out of exile, how God had always fulfilled the promises that he made to Israel, it was Zechariah. If there was anybody who had seen God at work, it was Zechariah. He is literally standing before the throne of God in what Israel held to be the most holy spot on earth, in a temple built despite all odds, and yet an angel of the Lord shows up. And Zechariah's response is, how will I know that this is true? And we resonate with Zechariah. I don't know about you, but, but I have had this experience in my prayer life where I, like a good and dutiful servant, am struggling with something and I come to God and I say, God, I, 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 I really want you to take care of this. I trust you. I'm going to give it to you and, and you are going to take care of it because I know that you are good and I know that you have promised to be with me and I know that your promises are true. And suddenly, somehow, by the end of that prayer, I have managed to pick that thing right back up and decide how I'm going to fix it, right? And I go, no, 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 no. I'm going to put it here and you are going to take care of it and I'm going to go over here. But you know, if I would just, I bet I could... Yeah? Anybody? And then we do it again and again and again. We know that God has always come through for us, and yet when it comes to that moment, when we are asked to trust 
with our stuff, it's awfully hard to let it go. So how do we know? How do we know that when we give it to God, it's going to be taken care of? We know because of the manger. We know because of the cross. We know because God sent an angel and said to Zechariah, you are going to have a son who will prepare the way of the Lord. And John was born. And he baptized and he turned people back to God. We know because next week we're going to hear an angel come to Mary and say, you will have a son and he will save the world. And she did. And a child was born. And angels proclaimed his birth. And he lived, and he taught, and he did miracles. And then he did the thing that no one ever thought a king would do. He laid down his life for us. Trust cannot be earned because if it could, we wouldn't have this conversation because God has already done more than anyone could ever do to prove that God is faithful. He was faithful to Abraham and Sarah. He was faithful to Zechariah and Elizabeth and to Mary and to Joseph. He was faithful even to death on a cross. He was faithful when he told his disciples, I will be back in three days. This is the God in whom we are called to place our trust. Not because he needs it or earned it, but because we need it. Because if we live our life solely in fear, we are less than who we could be. Because if we live our life only in fear, then all of our waiting and our anticipation, even our hope, come to naught. This Advent, we lit a candle to remind us that even in darkness, God's promise of light remains true. I challenge you over these weeks, look for the place where you are being called to trust and to lean into God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.